you know, just when you think you got it good and someone else has it worse, you know what I mean? And, you know, those are the kind of people that will walk through your doors. You don't know what's going through their head when they walk through those doors. You know, they don't, you don't know what kind of baggage they bring. Hi, this is the Social Jello with Angelo show. My name's Angelo. I'm a social scientist, surfer, martial artist, and a whole lot of other things. Coming to you live from Kasai City, Japan, the Social Jello with Angelo show. What's up and welcome to Social Jello with Angelo podcast, Black Belt Meeting. Uh, I'm here with John and Rob. John Hoylo. Hey, you got it. It's good. <laughs> so we need to start this episode with a quick disclaimer that if you've seen my podcast and you see me and John talk and you've seen my introductions, I have been calling John, John Hojlo incorrectly for the last five years. And John, being the polite guy that he is, finally let me know today that I've been fucking up his name for five dude, years straight. Dude, I've had that name mispronounced all my life. I swear I had one high school teacher say it right my entire life. The whole time, man. That's why I love Japan because everything's based on sound. It's, don't even worry about it, man. Anyway, hi, Rob. Nice to meet you. My last name nice is Hoylo. got it. I will never forget it. That's okay. <laughs> when I have you on my podcast, I'll, I'll call you Jean Hoylo. That'll work. <laughs> we'll go for Jean. I'll be French, and we'll call Angelo <laughs> Mr. Ferrari from here on out. I've been called Ferrari, Ferris, <laughs> Bueller. Bueller. <laughs> yeah, Bueller. Bueller. I mean, to be fair, I knew your name was Angelo when we met, and yet you told me your podcast was social jello and i was like social gello what the hell is that yeah, <laughs> i was like why is, is it that, that gello gello is it jello is it jello how do yeah. i say this like i always had people I, I had one person get mad why did he use a g that's not how you spell jello i'm like i didn't want to get sued like it, yeah. it's a really big company it, it, it's a proper noun <laughs> and so just correct me angelo <laughs> this is uh this is Rob Rowland. Uh, check out his work. Um, Want to go ahead and real quick, uh, shameless plug, Rob? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like we said, my name is Rob Rowland, spelled as it's pronounced, um, based out of Austin, Texas. I run a YouTube channel called Combat Self-Defense, where we talk about a combination of combat sports, self-defense tactics, traditional martial arts, anything that ranges from punching people in the face to not getting punched in the face to defending yourself from people who want to punch you in the face. Um, also, movies. Sometimes I talk about that in terms of martial arts. I'm a lifelong fan of martial arts and combat sports, and I decided now's the year that I want to engage in the things that I care the most about. So I put it out there and having fun with it. I'm also, I'm also a martial arts instructor. I teach Kajukembo here in Austin, Texas. Um, I had the pleasure of working with kids, adults, seniors, people from all walks of life, and it's been one of the greatest joys in my entire life. And speaking of movies, by the way, Rob, I saw your last podcast. Uh, I, know, I heard a little bit about your ninjutsu background. I just need to know, being an American ninja, is it okay if I accidentally call you Michael Dudikoff? It would make my heart happy. It would make my heart happy. All right, Michael Dudikoff. Unfortunately, you did tell people about my or origin, so now I have to kill you. <laughs> That's a ninja thing to do, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then for anybody who's tuning in, uh, this is John Hoylo. John Hoylo, uh, want to go and throw the shameless plug about what you're doing? Uh, yeah, uh, sure. Why not? I, I'm nowhere near as professional as these guys. I live in Japan and uh, I, I'm teaching martial arts in my free time. I've got a club going on out here. Uh, 
recently doing a new podcast set up by the Kaiji Kembo Association of America to do some background history on uh, Great Grandmaster Charles H. Gaylord. So that's my main podcast uh, program. We do have our four shots of Kaiju Kembo, which we do once in a while when we're looking for an excuse to have a black monk meeting and talk shop. Otherwise, that's all. I'm just a regular guy who just comes to hang out with these professionals. And a uh, quick disclaimer, if this is your first episode, I am not a professional. <laughs> you liar. <laughs> I haven't yeah. made a dime off anything I've done on the internet, so technically also not a professional. Yeah, I guess, yeah. That's what I Are you guys say. ready for the first shot? So yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, so for, the, for those of you listening, those of you watching, uh, we are doing an improvised version of uh, John's Four Shots of Kaju, where we take four shots to mark the passage of time while we just talk about martial arts and anything else that comes in between. Today, my poison will be Captain Morgan. Not Puerto Rican rum. I looked into it. We talked it. about this. Yeah, we talked about that. But it is good rum, so there it is. What do you got Here's today, Rob? Shot. I am drinking the Nine Banded Straight Bourbon Whiskey based out of Austin, Texas. Ah, um, it's, it is my drink of choice. It's a local distillery, but also I fi figure it's a good drink, so that's what I'm going to be shooting today. Um, I'm going to point out this is not a drink for shooting. This <laughs> is a drink for in the glass with the ice, sitting out on your porch, smoking a cigar. But I want to plug them. They're a good brand. So. Fair enough. All right. I'm advertising all day today. <laughs> Let's get started. All right. Salud. 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 Come by. Oh, that was good. On an empty stomach. Um, before we get started, I just want to let you guys know, I do respect Angelo so much that when he we were first setting up this podcast, he says, hey, we need to set this up at a time that works for all of us. Are you cool with doing four shots at 7 a.m. in the morning, your time? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, well, I kind of have to work later on in the day, but yeah, I'll work around it. Let's figure it out. <laughs> so this works out for me, Perfect. doing it at 10 p.m. Yeah, okay, yeah. I, 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 I thought we did this at 10 p.m., right? I'm like, I'm not yeah. making you drink before no. work, am I? <laughs> I? I remember talking to everyone, everyone in the house being like, hey, is it cool with you guys if I get shwasted at 7 a.m.? <laughs> day drinking. At I have a new friend who really is trying to encourage me to be an alcoholic. Are you all okay with this? <laughs> oh, sorry. Is that me? Uh, <laughs> you have a lot of friends trying to kill you with alcohol, I think. So, today's uh, topic, opening topic, is how does competition shape the art? Um, I got this idea from I was listening to some other podcasts. And just in general, uh, being sharing my space with a, a long time ago, my instructor shared his space with the Taekwondo school. And that turned into a lot of problems. Um, not problems, it just shaped things differently. Hey guys, I'm gonna press pause real quick. In three, two, one. And that's really become one of those things where since we shared the space with the Taekwondo school, I noticed immediately how we would spar in our Kaja Kimball class and how we would spar when we visited the Taekwondo school. And my, my instructor was really open with it. Like, hey, these people do things completely differently. Just follow along, empty your cup. Don't make a ruckus. We share the space with them. And then we'd spar with them, which was great. But they, as you know, even Taekwondo has a history of, it's changed a lot because of their focus on Olympic point sparring. So that's kind of the talking point. The other talking point was that now jujitsu guys are talking about the same stuff. 
I was just listening to Stephen Kesting's podcast and some other jujitsu podcasts. And they are also now starting to bring up the old school jujitsu guys, the guys that started all this, the guys that came out of UFC one, the guys that studied with the Gracies from the beginning are saying that the jujitsu that they see now with 50, 50 guard and all of this point system about knee mounts and passing, passing guards and holding guards to pass time. They're saying it's not the jujitsu that they knew when they got into it. That was more based on self-defense. And they're saying that again, it's helping the sport evolve, but they also feel that it's being driven by the sport. So that's where I got the idea from. What are your thoughts guys? We'll start with Rob. Okay. Um, I don't want to flex too much that I took an anthropology class once and got a B, but I did. Uh, and we know that the development of sport came as an analog for war. Um, it came from having a bunch of able-bodied young men in a society with no war for them to sow their royal oats, as it were. Um, so they invented sports to serve as a substitute for going to war, but also still keeping them fit and a method of ex exercising that violence in a safe, controlled way. Um, that's where football came from. It was a way of ex ex exercising military tactics in a way that was fun. And, um, you know, you guys both know as training martial arts, you want to hide the repetition of a technique. You, you can say, let's do a thousand repetitions of the Mawashi Getty, right? Let's just do that a thousand times and then you'll, know, you'll be a master of it. Or you can break it up into five different drills um, and then 10 different techniques. And then eventually you'll have made up the same amount of reps, but you won't recognize you've done it. Sports the same way. Um, it's a way of refining violence into a way that's um, controllable for people. The issue is the more you make it about the sport, the less it's going to look like the thing it's trying to substitute for, because now you're trying to play to win. Um, a couple months ago, I was at another dojo and I remember they were talking about a point sparring competition and the instructor was telling his students, um, they were wearing, they train in those foam uh, karate gloves. And like, if you wear it at the end of your fingers, you get a couple extra uh, centimeters to which you can tap your opponent with. And that's how you're going to get the point, And that's how you're going to win. And they were going over tactics like that. And on the one hand, I wanted to be like, that's, uh, you know, my, you know, my stance on point sparring. It's, it's a useful tool, but it's dumb to have it as a sport. I'm just going to come out and say it. It's a dumb thing to do as a sport. It's not How athletic. It's not. Yeah. I'm just saying it. I'm going to come How, out and say it now. How dare you? <laughs> um, especially if you, can, if you call your system a self-defense system and then you only do point sparring, but that's, that's a different tangent. The point is I wanted to say you are abusing the system. You are, you are cheating at this game. But then I realized as Ramsey Dewey said, um, talking about an MMA fight, there's the rules and then there's the rules. Like you don't have to have the glove fitting a certain way, right? You know, you don't have to necessarily have a football inflated the exact same way every single time. You're just playing the game. But we don't call what we do the sports. We call it combat sports. There's an adjective to it. You don't, the football game isn't called a ball sport, you know, um, Basketball isn't called a court sport. It's a sport. But martial arts have combat sports because they're supposed to be reflective of a certain range or timing of combat. Um, so the farther away we get from that, the farther we get to use the two extra centimeters to just slap your opponent on the eyebrow and get a point, the more it becomes just a game. Less and less a sport, less and less an analog for war, and more just a game. Um, and I think that's, that's the way the competition in that sense can ruin the purity of martial arts which at the end of the day is the first substitute for war and because you're training for war and that's my that's my college degree paying for itself
Nice. I would say I agree with you, man. Two point. I think there's a there, there's definitely the the point sparring aspect that we've seen and the bullshit <laughs> that it is. <laughs> but, um, at the same time, like I was thinking about this question too. Like it kind of depends who's I want to say who's in power. Like as far as who's paying the tickets to see what kind of shows. When I was a kid, all I saw were the, those those kind of point sparring matches, and that's why I hated competition. That's all I had access to in my area, the, my social circle. But at the same time, like you had real fighters who wanted something real. Then they created the UFC, UFC one, and uh, I remember John Hackelman. I was talking with him. He actually made a really good point. How it does show what works. You're talking point sparring? Yeah, you know, tapping someone with your fingers ain't gonna do shit, but then you take a look at UFC where the rule is don't poke him in the eyes because it fucking hurts. That's proof that it works. Uh, another guy we worked with, uh, my teachers worked with uh, Hawk, Hawkheim. He's called the UFC, the, the, great, the great proving ground or something. It's, it's the, the great ring that shows what techniques are working and what's not. So you got the point sparring, which is crap. But then you do have another group of people who are wanting the real stuff and they're going towards the real stuff. And now we have more people realizing, oh, wait, I should learn how to defend against a double leg takedown. Yep. And I think that you're, I totally agree with Rob. And at the same time, I'm seeing another group that is actually looking at the real side. I haven't heard as much about the jujitsu guy. It's, uh, can you guys tell me more about what they're saying? Can you tell me more about what the jujitsu guys are saying? Like I haven't heard as much. Yeah, well, before I expand on that, um, here, I'm going to. Yeah, I mean, well, before I start talking about what the jujitsu guys are saying, I want to let Rob know that I do call them ball sports. I call anything golf, basketball, football. I call them ball sports. Like, <laughs> it is a ball sport, but if you ask somebody, tell me about a sport, they're so- going to tell you about soccer, porn. It's all ball sports. Like, ball sports. <laughs> it doesn't have to. I was, was going to say something. I was. I, I, let no, me let me tell you about it. girl on girl. <laughs> I guess. I guess we could go to different categories of ball sports from there, depending exactly. on what you're into. But going back to the jujitsu question, <laughs> that one shot. <laughs> <laughs> That's one shot. Empty stomach. Next two. What can I say? So, um. The jiu-jitsu people are talking about how it originally, in jiu-jitsu, you just wanted to submit the guy. Very similar to catch wrestlers. That's why catch wrestlers, at first, a long time ago, catch wrestlers and jiu-jitsu guys are like going at it. That's not talked about it as much because catch wrestling isn't as popular in the U.S., but it is in Europe and other parts of the world. Um, but catch wrestlers' mentality is very similar. Uh, I think it was Nikamura. I think he's a catch wrestler. Might be wrong there. Careful. I'm not good at this shit. I'm really bad at names. Yeah, I've, been yeah, fucking up my, name. I've been fucking up my best friend's name for five years. So don't quote me on that one. But um, what it comes down to is catch wrestling is a submission style wrestling. I've been practicing for a long time in Japan. The mentality is different from jujitsu because their, their mentality is I just want to get the guy on his back and submit him as fast from any position as quickly as possible. Now, jujitsu guys are claiming that that's how they used to think too. I just want to submit the guy as quickly as possible. Yes, position before submission, but as soon as I have my position, it's time for that submission. But the new school of jujitsu guys, especially with 50-50 guard, and if you don't know what 50-50 guard is, 
if you're listening, 50-50 guard is where you go into this, you go into a position as if you were going to break your opponent's leg. For those of you that don't know any martial arts, and for those that do know martial arts, you pretty much are going to go for a, for either a calf splitter or a heel hook, but you just hold it there. Yeah, you just hold there, clamming. You're just clamming. So, so you're sitting there and you just hold their legs there, and then you rely on the fact that if the person tries to get out of it, you can sweep them and get a point, and then you go back into 50-50, and you got your points for the whole round. And now you can just keep them there for 10 minutes and you won the fight. In quotations, air quotes, fight. Um, so yeah, jujitsu guys are saying that 50-50 might be the end of jujitsu. That's what some people are saying. And that, that's where this comes from. Like they're upset that why don't they just break it up? And they're trying to think of ways to break the rules. They're trying to say, not break the rules. They want to make a rule where you can't hold 50-50 forever anymore. Like, hey, this is ridiculous. We want to make a rule. So that, that, that makes sense. That sounds like the glove thing that Rob mentioned. I mean, it's 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 a... It's playing the game instead of playing the sport. Exactly. And if I can just interrupt, I need to know, Rob, what's your cat's name? This is Cloud. He, Hi, is, Cloud. Uh, he is a rescue. Oh, nice. Yeah. He's got an uh, irritable bowel, which meant okay. he was, he's got to get medicated. He leaks out the gut a couple times a day. Aww. But he's the sweetest cat you've ever met. Um, he loves being on podcasts, actually. Every podcast that I've done since he's been here, he's got to get on. <laughs> How's his 50-50? <laughs> it's not good. Not good. He he's really about giving you position all the time. <laughs> but I have taught him how to punch. Oh, nice. Yeah. Neko punch in Japan this thing. Yeah, neko punch. That's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, the fifty-fifty. Uh, that does sound very very similar to what we're seeing in the striking side. Uh, at the same time, I'm thinking, I don't know. I don't see it being as bad. Uh, you know, tapping someone on the forehead is going to teach you how to break your fingers in a fight. Whereas teaching, you know, teaching your students to, to get points in a 50, 50 guard doesn't seem as bad. You can still defend yourself. It sounds. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I started playing around with it to see in an MMA setting, what happens if I put someone in 50, 50 guard. And what I found out was they can't punch me. So like once I put someone in 50, 50 if I'm not in a group fight, if it's a one-on-one, they could, if I, again, I guess we can always argue a lot about once we talk about group fighting. Yeah, once, once we get into variables of anything, yeah, like, yeah, there's no, no point discussing it. There's no point discussing jiu-jitsu. But if we are talking about one-on-one and I put someone in 50-50 guard, because your legs are like this, they really can't get any significant strikes on you. Mm-hmm. They, can, they can maybe tap you a little bit, mess with you a little bit, but you are in a very good position for a leg lock. And if you were being an asshole, um, break their ankle. Like it, it really is a good position for that. So there is a, there is a way it does have its use, I guess. Yeah. I think even as a self-defense side, you have to think about the situation where you're not trying to break somebody, but you're trying to control them. Yeah. I was thinking for, um, police. That, that sounds... Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with John. I was thinking for law enforcement, for anybody who has to do some kind of security where you have to control a human being, not damage them. That's perfect in that situation. Not perfect, but it's, it's closer. It's more of the goal than I'm going to put you in an Americana and snap your shoulder open, you know? Yeah, it's in the room. And also I found that people that don't know what's going on, scary. Uh, when you yeah. put someone in 50-50 and they don't know what the hell's going on, I had a lot of my sparring partners that didn't know what was happening. Uh, I, my, when I tried this out at the, at the place I trained at, a lot of my instructor thought I was trying to do a leg lock and immediately stopped me. And went, oh, BJJF rules and all that. I'm like, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Just getting even 50 50. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. But um, 
the reason it looked that way is because when my when my sparring partner got caught up in it, he tried to get out of it, and when he got out of it, he put himself in a in a leg lock, in a knee bar. I didn't even do the knee bar. I wasn't applying a knee bar. When he was trying to escape it, he put himself in a knee bar. Like, it's a really hard move to escape from without jacking up your knee. And if the yeah. person freaks out, yeah, you probably pop your knee. They'll probably pop their knee out of place. Yeah, that's scary stuff, man. That's right. I think what's interesting with you, look at the cops, the techniques they're allowed to use. I imagine a 50-50 would not be allowed because of that situation. I mean, I, my understanding is a lot of them are not even allowed to do sleeper holds anymore. Choke hold. Uh, rear naked choke. Nope. So, I mean, that's Which, this is sounding as well. Very risky for the cop lawsuit wise. Yeah. I've lost a lot of friends because I've been pushing that we stop calling things or just like we can ban chokes but we need to establish that the uh, rear naked or the the wrist lock choke is not a choke it's an arterial restriction mm-hmm. which despite some very recent research wait a second guys still- stop all right so ladies and gentlemen right now mickey lopez is trying to join us but in the meantime john take it away are you for a shot? Are you waiting for the... the no, no, the, que- the question you said. Oh, <laughs> I thought we were just waiting for Mickey. <laughs> no, 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 you degenerate. Well, Not well, yet. Well, we're waiting for Mickey. <laughs> All right, Rob, best 80s movie. Uh, best 80s movie happens to uh, also let's be... Let's say karate kung fu movie, whatever. Ah, uh, never mind. Okay, never mind then. Yeah, um, never any story, you know, but yeah, anyway. I'm just going to come out and say it. my The best the 80s, 80s movie, period, is my favorite uh, 80s movie, uh, Back to the Future. Hmm. Best... Martial arts 80s film. Man, that's, that's tough because we have... Oh, wait, wait. Oh. Oh. oh, we hear you. We don't see you, but we hear you. True Ninja. There oh! we go. There we go. Damn, bro. We were just talking about you. What's up, boys? What's going on? <laughs> you ready for a shot? All right. Well, um... so we're already <laughs> recording. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, halfway through the show, we just answered our first question. We are blessed with Mickey Lopez. What's up, big guys? How you guys doing? Rob, nice to meet you, sir. Pleasure to meet you, sir. So, Mickey Lopez, real quick, shameless plug. Who are you? What do you do for anybody who doesn't know? Uh, man, I'm a, I'm a Kaju Camo Black Belt. I'm the Grandmaster Ron Steller. Um, I have ADD. I practice everything from Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to underwater basket weaving. And, uh, you know, I, I just love to inspire, work out. Um, I've known John Hoylo since he lived in San Lorenzo. Bray, you know what? The stone rolls on. That's all I got to leave right there. There you go. Attaboy. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. So um, let's take a quick shot to start, start things up uh, we'll, with, with Mickey. And we'll continue with John's question. John, we'll just ask that question to everybody and everybody can answer it. That'll be yeah. Fun. Sure. All right. I was digging in. It's a serious question. I was just passing the time, but yeah, let's go. For 50, is a, 50, that is a serious question. <laughs> that's it that's is almost ser- more serious than 50, 50 guard. I think <laughs> what is the movie that you train to? What is the montage that gets you psyched up? Oh, that uh, I train to that's blood sport. <laughs> oh, yeah. The blood sport. Blood sport. Right, the blood sport. Kumite. He says he trains with the Tanaka clan. <laughs> <laughs> God, I hate Frank Dukes. Anyway, where were we? How dare you insult my grandmaster? <laughs> <laughs> right. Not even start. All right, I was, uh, 
tune in on that. Um, favorite karate kung fu movie? Was it you said to get psyched up to get like amped? That's what we changed just, it to. We changed. We changed the question. Okay. Yeah, John's asked like okay. three questions. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll, we'll we'll stick to the amped up. So martial arts movies that I watch to get amped up. It's not really. I guess technically it's a martial arts movie, but just call me old school. But Rocky one. Hmm. That works. That works. Yeah, martial arts. Rocky one. Boxing is a martial art. Like it I, is. And I used don't to like to say that, but that is very very true. He's saying like, it now. Whenever whenever I have a like whenever I did, I'm, I'm retired now. But like when I did have fights coming up, I would watch Rocky one, and just get amped. I'd watch it before going to bed and just fucking wake up at five in the morning. I'm fucking around and run 10k, and then <laughs> yeah. then I push the bag. And I fucking grab a keg and throw it over my head and be like, <laughs> How do you watch a Rocky montage and not I'm work gonna, out? I'm going to have some Russians chase me in the snow. and <laughs> <laughs> That's how I got my camp together. Get my brother-in-law to yell at my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Mick, you're doing boxing these days. How uh, is it in martial arts? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. The art of... Hitting and not getting hit. I mean, what, what more you have to say besides that? I mean, you know, I, I, I've been today. I wanted more reality, so I said, no matter what, come at me a hundred miles an hour. And you know, I was getting hit left and right. You know, it's just I'll block a few, I'll take a few. You know, unless you know you're you're Mike Tyson or whatever. Now, anyways, speaking of Mike, that was a good fight. Hey, goals, guys, goals. Except for Nate Robinson, stay, stay, stay in your lane, bro. But how old is Tyson? Yeah, a lot of people saying Mike's too old and he shouldn't be, you know, risking in the, the head damage and all that. But you know what, man? You, you got to fight sometimes, man. He, yeah. This is him. This is what, is what saved him as a person. It was good to see him go out there. You don't have learned from Tyson and Stallone and Schwarzenegger and so many other older statesmen right now is that our bodies don't degenerate as much as we thought they did, or at least not as much as they did 20 years ago. When we were smoking as teenagers, yeah. Right, like 52 years old in 2020 does not mean the same thing it meant in 1984, you know? Because To answer answer your question, Rob, uh, Mike Tyson's 54 now. 54. Like, 54 is not the same today as it was 20 years ago. Have you seen pictures of, like, kids in the 80s? They have all these pictures. The teenagers look like they were 32. Yeah, it's because they were chain smoking all day long. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I knew some crack kids in my neighborhood that were like that too, though. Like, that was in the nineties. So. Well, they had their teeth at least, right? Anyway. Well, they yeah. got all the fil- I mean, to make you look younger these days, they have all these filters. So hey, there it is. F five was all filtered. You're right. You're right. <laughs> so um Mickey, we were talking about how competition shapes a sport. That was the question that we started the podcast on. And we were talking about how uh, we got into 50-50 guard, talked about how Taekwondo likes to wear their gloves a little over and focus a lot on points. I didn't say Taekwondo. Oh, I did. (laughs) I did. You know where to find me, folks. I'm in Japan. You can meet me in Aonocho. He's one of two brown guys in Japan. Yep. You'll find me there. I will. The hey, one? Rob, where, where do you live at, Rob? Where are you from? I'm in Austin, Texas. Okay. You know what? Yeah. I'm, I'm just I'm watching the Errol Spence fight right now. They're in Dallas. So, speaking I'm of boxing. There. Okay. 
<laughs> not there. <laughs> Dude. Doesn't Austin and Dallas have some sort of beef? Yeah, we hate Dallas. Oh, They're- yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. There yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There it is. Right. There it is. I, didn't I knew what it. you were going for. <laughs> I didn't say it. <laughs> yeah, fuck Dallas. <laughs> I won't say anything. I won't say anything bad about Taekwondo on your channel, but I will say shit about Dallas. I'll say shit Dallas. You'll throw an entire city county right down the drain. I'll throw hands with anybody from DFW. I don't give a shit. And they got Doug Fry. Okay. Oh shit. Starting turf. You're starting turf wars over here, Mickey. I was. I was want Errol Spence. You know what? So what was the question, Angelo? The question, the question was, how does, how does competition help drive a sport or unhelp it in, in, uh, in a quick, broad stroke? How do you think? What do you think about how competition can shape a sport in a good or bad way? I mean, you know what works and what doesn't. I mean, in an adrenaline lab, you know, all, all that stuff that 100 techniques you learn, probably two of them are going to work. You know, your feet are going to work. You know, you don't take into account that, you know, this person's really trying to come after you. It's not your training partner. You know, I mean, you got the crowd, fight or flight. You know, I mean, it's, I think it's great. I mean, I think competition is uh, a testing. It's not for everybody. But if you want to see, you know, what works, you know, and I always bring this up, but these, these Grandmaster guys, they, they can take a blade from me. If I come at 100 miles an hour, they think you, can, you think you can disarm me. You can't do it. Um, I'm, I'm training for failure lately because I, I don't want to have that where I'm trying to disarm you and you're just giving it to me. So I'm having my, my training partners really come after me. So, um, yeah, definitely competition. Um, you got you to do it. You got to get hit. You got to feel what it's like to get hit. And be under pressure. And that just applies to everything we do, not just in the ring, you know, with the job, life, family, whatever. Just that's what it's – it's life skills, guys. That's me. But then you get these guys that talk the game, but they've never been in the water. You know, those guys, man. Anyways, I'll, I don't know if that answered the question, Angelo, but <laughs> yeah, I'm not getting pissed good. off. I, I feel like I have that <laughs> – Austin versus Dallas Rage right now, bro. Yeah, welcome to the club, man. I'll send you a shirt. Mickey, what kind of knives you train with? You know what? It's just yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, more um the size of your hand because it's illegal to go um, more, right? So you know, yeah. That's you guys heard about the? Uh, I think they're called Aku knives. Uh, the little light up LED lights. The little shock la- shock lamps. No, they got that a shock one. Uh, I've worked with the shock one. It's pretty fun. But there's another one that doesn't shock you. It, it, I think it's called Aku. It's it just kind of like a little LED light and lets out a little beep whenever it makes contact. Mm. Like how again, John? Like how? Uh, <laughs> is it a beep. laser? Yeah. <laughs> beep. Uh, yeah, it's like, a little. Light, it's a lightsaber. Uh, what was you know Aperture? There's a Facebook page Aperture. Uh, they had the first time I saw the video was them doing it. They look pretty cheap. They look pretty good. I'm trying to find a good knife because this one lets you know. It's like uh, the guys used to. That might be right there. Yeah, the those are it right there. Yep. Yeah, right those there. Are it. Have you guys heard of these at all? Oh yeah, I've heard of these. Yeah, those are good. You use it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, even. Yeah. That's the issue I have with with uh, sparring with knives. Is that like 
when you don't have any kind of tactical response to I've been cut, I've been stabbed, you just kind of keep going until timer goes off, right? Yeah. Um, I love the new tools. I love the, uh, the human weapon version where they had a felt tip knife that would paint your shirt if you got cut. I, I love the stock knife. Yeah, like any kind of knife that shows you, you have been stabbed and cut, you are going to get stabbed and cut is better than a thing that's just like, let's just go until the timer goes off because that yeah. gives you a very false sense of confidence. I would okay. say even worse than when you have someone who steps forward and stabs with their knife like that, you know, like sparring with a knife that, uh, sparring with a knife that doesn't actually respond to you is not good. It's funny that you mentioned that because I was just telling John about how I had the guys, we did, we were doing uh, round robins and each time I would escalate the rules. So like we started off with just, uh, with just standard MMA, but anything goes. And then we started saying, okay, you can throw elbows. Okay, you can do headbutts. All right, we're gonna start throwing knives in. And I brought in the cold steel knives. And what I thought was interesting was one of the guys who's kind of, he's a, he comes from a karate background, but I can tell he's never sparred with knives before. He actually used the knife the way we do for self-defense. He was like, and I was like, lunging with it. And I was looking, I'm looking at him like, are you trying to go easy? Are you fucking with me? Or like, yeah. <laughs> like, but he really was. And like, he, that's just how he moved. Like, that's right. just how he moved with the knife. And then he would like, he'd slowly switch the knife over to the hand and then he would lunge again. Like, and I was really, I, I thought that was funny. Like, I, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I'm like, I've trained for this. <laughs> I know, I know 900 responses to this exact movement. <laughs> this exact movement. <laughs> I guess it is applicable. <laughs> I never thought it was. I thought, that's why I brought it in this far. <laughs> but yeah, I did find that the, I do like the cold steel knives. I don't like the rubber ones. Like you said, I feel like the rubber ones because there's no pain involved. Mm. You're really floppy and, and the guy doesn't feel anything. But with the cold steel ones, I feel like that poke, like a real mm -hmm. good poke. They go, oh, and they like, yeah, and they tense up. And after that, if I see someone going too easy, I'll poke them real hard. And yeah. That, They'll kind of like, oh, that hurt. And then like, yeah, yeah. It, it's so, going to hurt. So, it's going to hurt. <laughs> now, do you guys prefer thrusting or slashing? Or is it a preference? Depends on what she wants, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, when I, when I, I'll, I'll normally be the knife wielder with my students when we do knife sparring. Um, and I'll give them just like a swinging stab. I'll tell them we're just going to stab um, because that alone will mess up their entire game plan. Um, we, we, the way we do sparring with the knife is I'm going to have the knife and I'm only going to swing stab. That's my only goal. And your goal is to just not get stabbed and take the knife out of my hand. You take it out of my hand, you give it back to me. We start over. They don't realize how difficult it is because I adjust how fast I'm going to do it from with the position I'm going to do it from, maybe I'm going to start with a knife tucked behind me. Maybe it's already in front of me. You don't know. Just those three variables mess up their life a lot. As soon as I add a slash, it's like, never mind. And then I'm like, that's what it's like. If you're going to get in a, in a knife fight, which doesn't exist, there's, not, there's no West Side Story knife fight, you're either going to get knifed or you're going to get mugged. Those are, those are your two options. But if it's going to happen, it's going to be, and then we're done. And if you're very smart and very lucky, you can walk away from it. Running, if I, unless my yeah. cardio goes out. Real, but yeah. <laughs> nah, man, that, that underhand knife attack—that's scary, man. I've seen a lot mm -hmm. of like, like I, I don't knife defense has been an interest for me for a long time. 
uh, I've tried to look at different techniques and practice and worked them out. And that underhand coming up, it's scary. I've seen, I yeah. found two, I want to say combinations or techniques that might be effective and I'm still not confident on them. I right. did a whole video trying to figure out how to make that work. And I th- think I found something, man, but that, that is hard to defend against the slashes. Uh, you, boxing, I think is best defense for that man. Right. The, the moving your head, the parries, it's, it's you're just, basically blocking a jab you know you're moving your head yep. out of the way that's all you're doing that big stab underneath is scary as hell i don't know what to do with that man i always i i asked my students one day percentage wise how much do you think a knife enhances my martial ability if if i'm let's say competent at fighting you with my bare hands how much does the knife enhance my skills and how how much does that create a gap between you and me and there was a range of like, I think you're 50% more likely to attack, to beat me in a fight now. I think you're 75%. And I was like, I am 200% more likely to kill you with a knife in my hand, with a knife, with a one inch knife, a two inch knife, three inch knife, like 200% because that's why human beings invented weapons so that we didn't have to train to do fighting with empty hands. That's why we grab a stick and club someone to death because we know that's yeah. easier. One if of my wanna, favorite phrases, man, is force multiplier. Mm-hmm, it's a force multiplier. Force. I don't need to be as skilled as a martial artist to stab you to death with a knife. That's why I have it, because I'm not confident in myself with my bare hands. Question that comes up, and Mickey, you might have heard this from C4 Wrong, he's talked about it. Would you guys, let's say we do our kaiju kembo drill, you're sparring, and someone yells knife, and someone else yells stick. Which would you choose? Um... If I can get the blade, I'd rather get the blade because I'm going to, you know, the stick, it'll probably crack me, but it won't stop me. I mean, look, I'll take that back. (laughs) Oh, shit. This is going to go live. Someone's (laughs) going to show up my door. So, you know what? I feel more comfortable with the blade. I'm going to use the blade because if the blade's over there, sticks over there, guess what? I can take that blade and throw it at you. As a distraction. You know, who says I have to run in there? And I've been thinking about that a lot lately, too. Just throwing your weapon, projectiles. How many How many do we – that's not – you know, that right there, just a little distraction for me to create space. Someone said space earlier, so that's exactly what I would do, you know. Um, unless they throw the stick at me, I throw a stick at you, too. Either or, you know, improvised weapon, absolutely. Yep. Angela the rub, what do you think? Knife or stick? A knife, knife. I would grab the knife because um, I don't want my opponent to have the knife. Yep, I'd much rather have a knife to deal with or knife in my hand than a stick. A stick, it's a blunt force trauma. A knife could end you very quickly. Mm. Uh, not that a stick can't. Not that it can't land where it, it's fatal, but a knife doesn't have to land anywhere specifically to make you bleed out. And adding to what you said earlier, anybody can be dangerous with a knife. All true. Yeah. You know what's funny, guys? I'm going to send you guys a video um, after this. I just got done nice sparring today. Um, I had a nine-year-old and, like, an 11-year-old and, you know, the dad. And them, them little nine-year-olds these days are fast as blank. They're fast, especially with that blade. And I was trying to hit them, too. I wasn't giving them any, you know, if a kid picks it. Here's the thing. Let me ask you guys this. If a kid picks up a blade – do you, do you crack them or do you kind of 
You punched him like a football, dude. I'm gonna yeah. say. <laughs> I kicked that kid right in the chin to make him do a backflip. <laughs> all right, that's all. That's the same thing. Okay. On that note, I think we need another shot. About- <laughs> <laughs> it's not child abuse; it's karate. Right, exactly. Hey, they had a knife. <laughs> he was coming right for us. He was coming at me with a knife. Don't no, it's what, funny man. that you mentioned, brother. It's so funny that you mentioned that because I was just telling John about we were just talking about. I introduced knives to my class, and we had a kid, and the kid, the kid, like I just got done with the with the guy, with the karate guy. He's an adult. He's like. And right after him, the little kid who didn't want to do it, he spent most of his sparring rounds running away in a circle, running away from me. And he's like, he's like 11 or 10. He's like running away from me the whole time. We give him a knife. He's still running away the whole time. And we're like, hey, you have to attack. Like, you have the knife. And finally, when he attacks, he closes his eyes and starts going like this. And I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like, terrifying. Like, it's like fucking Chucky, dude. I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> <laughs> Did we already take our shot or am I waiting? Sure. I'm ready. Guys, I've been doing – I've been since four, so. <laughs> All right. All right. Hey. Come pie. Come pie. Oh, that was just straight up drink. That wasn't a shot. My bad. <laughs> How's the Mickey method going? I still hate that name, by the way. The Mickey method that we were talking last time. I God. still hate that name. I'm telling you. The Mickey method? What the hell is that? <laughs> he must have been drinking a lot last time. Never oh, mind. Jeez. <laughs> He's doing a callback, folks. In the business, oh, we call it a callback. <laughs> oh, man. We actually do. Next question. Take it, Angelo. All right. So, next question. Okay. I've been seriously thinking this about this quite a bit. And I think I want to get all your input on it. Is Wolverine immortal or not? No. No. He's not. No. And then why? Why did he die? He did die. Logan was all about him dying. But have you read the comic books? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. Gods can die too in a comic. That's fair enough. I will say the comic specifically states in the 1972. X-Men, I don't know, I don't know the number, but <laughs> it does state his aging is slowed, not stopped. And aging, by definition, is the decaying of a carbon-based life form. It is all the decaying of a carbon-based life form. So he will age to, let's say, 300 years old, but he will die. So. Mickey, your thoughts on comic book history? I don't know shit. Uh, you know what? Pass. Pass. <laughs> All right. All right. So on a serious note, Mickey, um, I've, I listen to Primal Radio quite a bit. It's a, it's a show that seems to be kind of indefinitely canceled right now. Have you heard of Primal Radio, brother? I think so. MMA, is it MMA show? Okay. So now, now we're going to go into your world. You're a GK. You're, <clears throat> I'm not going to say you are, but you dabble, you dabble with the JKD folks, right? Yes, sir. Um, so... There's a guy named Jim McCann yeah. in that circle. Have you heard of that guy? I don't know, Jim uh, a, he, he was a cop, I think, right? Am I, am I right? Jim McCann is a trainer out of New Jersey. He might have been a cop. I don't know what his background is. But, like, he did a lot of, he did a lot of seminars. 
So him and Tom McGrath, they kind of run their own podcast, or they did. I don't know. Right now, they're <clears throat> uh, the whole pandemic thing kind of shut down their show. But uh, I was asking you because you're a JK, you 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 know JKD folks, right? You're in that world per se. So I was asking because um, I listen to their podcast and they talk about the JKD community, and they talk about how the JKD community is kind of split between people who are getting certified quickly, quickly at seminars and becoming in JKD instructors, uh, people talking about uh, what's really the Bruce Lee method, whether it's uh, whether you're supposed to be teaching with the right hand lead, whether or not you're supposed to be teaching everything Southpaw or not. And then people that are still associated with the daughter. I don't know. A lot of stuff in between that. They've talked about that. And then the way that those guys kind of approach it, they never, they don't really address that stuff. They just kind of skim past it and just be like, this is what we're doing and go from there. So what's going on with the JKD world? You know what? I'll, I'll tell you, um, the lineage is Dan Santo, Ron Balicki, Paul Vunak, Scott Fur, which is my instructor. And then I'm with Scott. And, and honestly, Scott really shielded me from all the politics and, Yes, there's politics in JKD and every martial art, um, but I've been digging, and uh, man, um, all your questions, I don't want to put it out there. I'm going to redirect you to a podcast that I've had from Matt Thornton. Now, when I was coming up training, Matt Thornton, um, he's the inventor of the Straight Blast Gym. You know, Conor McGregor, that whole gym, they were big on aliveness. So to make a long story short, the concepts, the Bruce Lee method, this and that, it, it is what it is. You know, some people, they want to keep it pure, the original method, you know, or, and then they want to do the concepts and then some people went the other way. Um, but you know, um, they, it's just a lot of ass. It's just quite, it sounds corporate. It's like, it's ass kicking, ass kissing and shit like that. You know what? Like I said, I'll redirect you, um, to some podcast that I've been listening to. That made me go, oh, well, you know, that's every that's every art. The jujitsu, JKD, Kajikembo, you know, whatever. I don't care about all that. So it Scott, my instructor, was like, we'll train. You know, this this is the art. This is how you know, this is how we make it work. Don't do this, do that. And that's true about the JKD stuff. You know, it's not it's concepts to me. It's it's but you can do Bruce Lee stuff. He shows me both. And, and honestly, you know, I love art, but that, that could stay over there when I want to get in the lab. None of that art really comes out. I'll, I'll try and do a few things, but a lot of that stuff is, is great on camera, but not functional. That brings up a good question for me, talking about JKD. I'm wondering about your thoughts. How does JKD compare to Kaiju? Because I see similarities in philosophy. I mean, all of you guys, all, th all three guys, I mean... I got my own thoughts, but I feel like JKD and Kaiju are obviously different. They got different backgrounds, but we have a lot more similarities than, say, karate and judo have. What you, do you guys you, think? Rob, you first, sir. Um, so, show, thank you. Um, He's getting ready. It's interesting because I, <laughs> I'm going to give you guys a spoiler warning. Uh, my next round of combat self-defense videos are on not necessarily JKD, but the straight lead. 
um, just because that is the that is the epitome of what JKD is. Um, and I, I'm going to say I have never formally trained in JKD outside of like five lessons, which I would not say makes me a a voice in the JKD community. But I have studied some, and I have the Tao of Jeet Kune Do. I've read it three or four times. Um, the Tao of Jeet Kune Do, if you're into that. Um, I will say the big difference that I've seen with Kajikembo and JKD is that JKD abandoned the name of a style in the name of we're going to adapt the up jab from boxing and mix it with the, the non-rotational punch from Wing Chun. Um, we're going to adapt a lot of the savat concepts without calling them savat concepts. Um, they, they don't care about where a style or, originated from. Training is based on we are striking in a intercepting fashion or in an angle off fashion, in a parrying fashion. We are, these, we're talking about ranges and a specific thing that our goal or, or that our attack is trying to achieve. Whereas Kajukembo said, this is our karate technique. This is our judo technique. This is our jujitsu technique. And this is our kempo technique. JKD stripped that all away and just combined it all together. Whereas Kajukembo kind of just put all those things in one house, if that makes sense. That's, that's for me what I... Judo and the, the karate into one house, you're saying. All right. right. Um, it didn't mix them in the way that Kaju Kimbo thinks it did. Kaju Kimbo loves to advertise itself as the world's first mixed martial art, which that's also another video that I'm making because it's not. Thank um, Right, exactly. The first martial art ever was the first mixed martial art. But um, Kaju Kimbo loves to advertise it as the fixed mar- first mixed martial art because it just combined the names of different martial arts. Great but, marketing. <laughs> exactly it was just marketing yeah, yeah. but i'm like you're combining judo and jujitsu japanese jujitsu which are the exact not the exact same thing but they are the same thing and you're combining tongue sudo and kempo which kind of came from the same place you're just calling them different things because you know that's going to appeal to the people who have done one of those arts and want to do more um so kaju kempo i felt was more obsessed with and this is based on my experience, not based on what you guys experience, obviously. Kajukem was more obsessed with defining this is a Tang Sudo technique, this is a Jiu-Jitsu technique, this is a Kempo technique, and this is a boxing technique. Therefore, we are a mixed martial art. Whereas JQD was like, this are, these are our techniques. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Now, like, for me, uh, uh, nothing going against what you're saying. I, I totally agree with where you're coming from as well. I do feel that there is a good side to say this is the karate technique because interesting history wise, right? They, Oh, the people in Japan were doing this. The people in China were doing this. It, it is kind of cool to see. I don't know. Like, what do you guys think? Like, I feel like a lot of schools also do that. What you just say with Jeet Kune Do, they just say, this is punching attack for a learn it. And then, you know, five years later you realize, Oh shit, that power sweep comes from judo. And this break comes from you know, something completely different. But I don't, I don't want to I don't want to steamroll the conversation by any means. But I was today I was in my Muay Thai class and we were talking about or one of the other one of my other training partners was talking about. Uh, he's asking the coach about when I see this certain fighter throw a kick, he kicks with the ball of his foot to sneak it in and hit with the uh, hit the liver with the ball of the foot. Yeah. And he asked, "Where did that come from?" And I said, "Well, that's that's a karate technique." That's, I mean, that's, we kick with the ball of foot. That's how our roundhouse, roundhouse looks. And he goes, is that legal in Muay Thai competition? I said, well, yes, because if you look at 
Lurdzilla. Lurdzilla is a karate taekwondo fighter. He just adapted those techniques and those concepts for Muay Thai fighting. Um, that's that's what I mean. If a karate guy does a karate technique that happens to be a takedown at the same time, is it judo now? Yeah, it's just, it's a technique. That, that, for me, that's what, it's always been a technique. It doesn't matter where it came from. However, my entire YouTube channel is based on like, here's what this thing comes from. And here's the history of when Gichin Funakoshi did it and why we're doing it this way. But that's because I'm a giant nerd about it. I like that. Yeah, it is cool to hear the history on that. I mean, yeah. Nikki, your thoughts? Well, um, first of all, I started off in, in, in playing a lot of basketball, right, where we ran the same play over and over, all right? Now, when I got to Ron and, and Kajukembo, we did a whole lot of stuff. And it was like overwhelming. I and I didn't understand, you know. There was there's a little bit of throws. It, it's like being at a buffet, right? So you get all you can eat, and you gotta just, you know. I, I'm usually I go back for the, uh, the 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 broccoli and you know maybe a little bit of shrimp. But other than that, I don't because I'm sick of it already, right? And the minute I started training JKD, it's like you know what, just. You want some little bit of uh, dessert, add that, add this, add that, and just see what comes out. And, and like, there, there are similarities, but it's the mindset. It, again, I like to think of us as martial scientists, athletes, artists. Artists, you paint the picture, right? Cool. But as scientists, we're in the lab. We're athletes. We're drilling. We have other training partners. We're athletes. Now, when you watch – football or or jujitsu or anything there's no set patterns you got to go with with it if, if you do punch art one on me and it doesn't work i gotta keep going i can't be like whoa freeze you know so jkd for me just allowed me to be free hmm. like where'd that throw come from is that a muay thai kick or is that a savat kick all the savat kicks are coming out now you know all the white belt techniques are coming out and I'm, whoa whoa I've never seen that that uh, front kick right through your guard before. I mean, really? I mean, it came from. I mean, it, wherever you want to say, which Japan, uh, uh, you know, Thailand. It came from. Who the hell? What is your name? It came from you, right? That's my thing. If you can make that technique work, then it works. But yeah, I think we right. take. That's what I heard in Kaju. That was my big thing with Kaju Kembo. I was the first time I felt that. Right, right. And and, and Hoylo, that's what I was asking you. Who Hoylo. is John Hoylo? Mm -hmm. Who is Angelo? Who is Rob? What are you guys, what is your specialty? What are you going to be leaving behind? When I think of Rob, when I think of Angelo, when I think of Hoylo, I think of blank. That is your JKD. That is your Kaju Kembo. Angelo, Kaju Kembo. Rob. Muay Thai, um, you know, John, America's best. <laughs> yeah, he don't know nothing. <laughs> well, I, you know, and, and me. That's the Angelo method, the Rob method, and I hate to say it, the Mickey method. <laughs> no, 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 so, Listen, so we, I'm we, just going to say we, I love the Mickey method. We got, we got to let people know why John hates the Mickey method, and it has to do with the idea of slipping someone a Mickey and Bill Cosby. That's why <laughs> – John is so adamant against the Mickey method. 
And on that, that's me, Oilo. Oh, John, are you calling for another shot now? I am calling for a shot. I, still, I just want you guys to know I weigh 145 pounds. I'm just telling you, man, it's bad marketing. It's bad marketing. I didn't, even, I didn't even catch on. Like, I had to hear the podcast. I was like, who is he talking about? Why? What? Because I was agreeing. Like, that's a great name. And it took me a minute. Here, cheers. People think at different paces. Let's drink. Oh. So, answering your question, John, I never did. I think JKD and Kaja Kembo have more in common than they have different. I agree. And one of the things that they have in common is that there's a bunch of fucking UFC fighters right now signed fighting that had done Kaja Kembo and JKD, but they don't talk about it. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Very a true. bunch. A bunch. Fucking Sage Northcutt. Yep. He's the only one that's actually saying it. I'm talking about <laughs> yeah. there's a bunch of fighters right now that have worked with Kaju Kembo guys and don't mention it. There's a yeah. bunch of previous champions. John Zapier. John Zapier. <laughs> yep. I'm not naming anyone, but there is a of bunch not. of multiple belt holding champions that don't mention the fact that they walked into a Kaju Kembo school. Why do you think that Here's is? The thing. And then JKD is the same thing. JKD's got the same thing going on. There's a bunch of multiple belt holding champions that worked with JKD guys and give them props if you hear them in podcasts and stuff. But in the front lines of everything, when they're like putting their hand up in the air and they got the belt, they think to whoever their trainer is, they don't really mention the style. And then when you tail of the tape and the guy's walking up and they show them Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and Muay Thai, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, how many times have you seen that? Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and Muay Thai. How many times can you fucking say Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and Muay Thai until you start watching the actual fight as a martial artist and be like, that wasn't fucking Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. That wasn't Muay Thai. That was something else. Right? Look at well, why look do you at, think it is that they don't say it? Why is it that they don't say that? Well, I think part of it, um, I don't mean to offend anyone, but I was listening to one of the podcasts you did, John, and I was listening, I'm not gonna name any names here, but I'm gonna say that some of the grandmasters would contact the other grandmasters that were in charge and say, Hey, I have this fight coming up and I'm training this fighter, and um, I was thinking of putting a Kaja Kimbo shirt on him. Is that cool? And they'd be like, No. Because if he loses, it makes us look bad. So they didn't want to place their bets on it. Mm-hmm. And in playing it safe, they hid the name from the public. Yep. I think JKD guys did the same thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on in the JKD community, but I'm assuming something similar has happened. So how much do you think of that is just losing and how much that is humility? Because I heard on the other side that it was, we don't know what UFC is going to be like. We don't know if this is going to be, you know, a total shit show. And we just don't want to disrespect the Kaiju Kembo name. But I heard this happening in Muay Thai too, right? Yeah. I heard this happening, I heard this happening well. in Muay Thai and boxing, right? Not just Muay Thai. I heard a Kaiju Kembo guys training boxing guys. And they were just like, we're not sure if, if he, we're not sure if this boxer loses, it's going to make Kaiju Kembo look. But plus, it's not really Kaiju Kembo, it's boxing, right? You decided to kind of break into one part of the branch. There might be humility. I don't know. I think that I think philosophically that comes down to and I I, this is a question I'm gonna pose to all three of you what is Kajukembo oh no not this again (laughs) (laughs) now you don't have to hang on you don't have to answer it you don't have to answer it it's a it's a a rhetorical question but like Angelo and I are here in Japan and that's it in, what is Kaiju Kembo when you talk to Japanese people is a whole nother podcast. Like, oh my God. Mickey, well, what is Kaiju Kembo? <laughs> Again. Are you talking to me? 
Deja vu. Your name is Becky. You're asking an excellent question. It's just we're laughing because we talked about this. It is a leading question. Because we always talk about this. Not even like we talked about this. We always come back to this fucking question. It is a leading question. I have a point. Okay. Okay, so if it's a leading question, make it a quick answer. Two or three sentences. Mickey, what is Kaju? Kaju is that person in the mirror. That's who that is, all right? Like I said, um, Kaju Kembo is a mindset. Ka- that's it. Boom. Time. You say three seconds? That's it, bro. Three, three sentences. All right. Yeah, fool. All right. Me? Or for yeah, me. Andrew, go ahead. Right. We'll get back to right. Robinson. Andrew, what is Kaju? It's a mixed martial art. Sentence one. <laughs> Should be used, can be used by anyone. Sentence two. Has to be effective. Finish three. Finished. Fair enough. So I say Kaiju Kembo is a martial art. You take what is effective and get rid of what is the rest. Rob, what is Kaiju Kembo? For me, Kaiju Kembo is, or should be. I'm going to say should be, not is. That's not three sentences. <laughs> I, I get to keep going. I asked the question. I'm making the rules here. <laughs> Go ahead, man. It was a comma. Kaiju Kembo is... UFC-based MMA for personal protection. Okay. It should be that. We're going to get into forms in a second. Anyway, let's get on to your next question, Rob. What were you leading into? My point was that if Kaiju Kembo is supposed to be our UFC-based MMA for the street, it is really just uh, striking, as in punching, kicking, Clinching, as in grabbing someone, controlling their body, and throwing them to the ground. And also grappling, as in holding someone to the ground, breaking joints, and choking them out. Okay. But also, it is kicks to the groin, pokes to the eye, grabbing to the Adam's apple, and breaking up the wrist. Um, so, yeah, that's, for me, Kaju Kembo is should be more represented in mixed martial arts competitions only because for us it should be a stripping away of certain rules not like it's a completely different rule set Hmm. um i think we make the mistake of wanting kaju kembo to look and this is with all due respect to people who do kaju kembo and train it a certain way a lot of people just want kaju kembo to look like karate Hmm. and then you also do some takedowns but it's not you know, how in trouble, you know how many times me and John get in trouble for even mentioning the karate in Japan? Like, we might as well not even mention it. I had, I had some guy, some Japanese guy, be like, that's not karate? And he was like, mad. And I was like, all right, man, let's spar. <laughs> that's always my answer to anyone who says it's not whatever. Let's spar, and then you tell me whatever the fuck you think it is. We'll, we'll spar. What, I will spar you under whatever rules. What, what are the karate rules you want me to spar you with? Okay, we will do that. We're going to do that, and then you let me know how you think this works. And I've done I've, – I've, I've sparred Kikushin guys. I've sparred traditional karate guys. I've done full contact Kikushin with some guys, no, no gear. And at the end of it, they're like, well, whatever it is, it works. Well, that's where I was going with that. And then, like, you tell me what Kyokushin is, right? You, we all know what Kyokushin looks like. We all know what judo looks like. What is Kajukembo supposed to look like? Kaju Kembo is supposed to look like a nebulous system that says, I cannot out of strike you. 
So therefore, I'm going to outgrapple you. I can't outgrapple you. Therefore, I'm going to outjoint lock you. Therefore, I'm going to outclinch you. Whatever it is, Kaiju Kembo is not, for me. Kaiju Kembo shouldn't be a set routine of patterns and should more be a philosophy in that I'm going to destroy your body in whatever means necessary. And that's why I brought uh, the connection up because I think Bruce Lee literally said something like that. It, I forget the quote, but it was literally, what was it? Uh, grapple the karate, well, I don't know. Uh, grapple the karate man, kick the, the grappler, something like that. It was very, yeah. literally the exact same thing. Right. That's what Kaiju Kemo should be. Now, the thing is, at the same time, what is your goal in life? I feel like I'm quoting a Conan the Barbarian right there. What is, is, what is best in life? But, what is best in life? <laughs> but um, <laughs> drinking, drinking from the skull of your enemies. Here's the thing, though. Like, well, I don't want to get into forms because I like I know, Rob, I heard you guys talking, you know, your thoughts on forms. You, and I have, I have a video on this as well. You want to learn how to fight. You want to learn how to ring. Don't learn forms. It's a waste of time. But martial arts is... Oh, oh hang on a second. I'm, oh, shit. I'm Another shot. I need a, a second. All right. Okay. Andrew, you're going to pause. Uh, let me get a refill, and I'll continue okay. with where I'm going on Conan. Okay, Conan. Conan the Barbarian. Pause. I want to remind you guys. All right, so here we go. Vámonos. So, the call of Campbell, uh, what is it for you? Like I was saying before, I mean, if you want to go out and just beat people up, you want to train for the ring, don't do forms. But the thing is, what is Kaiju Campbell for? Uh, I've heard a, a, a study once. Basically, the average is that people get into, what, four or five fights in their life. You know, you got people who grow up in barrios, they fight every day of their life. And then you got people who never get in a fight in their entire life. But the average is like four to five in your entire life. So like for me, my Kaiju Kembo includes yoga because I got a fucked up body. Apparently I have an extra vertebrae in my spine. Uh, I got neck problems, knee problems, and that is part of my Kaiju Kembo. So when I do Kung Fu forms, that is part of my health. That is part of my Kung Fu. That is part of my Kaiju Kembo. So there is a, it's not just beating people up. Now we're talking forms and I know how you guys feel about forms as well. And we can disagree on that as well. What are your thoughts on Kaiju Kembo should have forms or should not have forms? Mickey. Well, um, again, the forms teaches you uh, balance you know, focus, you know, there, there's a lot of good benefits for forms. Um, again, I don't like some of them. I don't want to be in a, in a reverse punch stance, but, um, nice. you know, there's, there's forms in everything, you know, you, you got a shadow box that's form, whether you want to believe it or not, it you, is. Know, you have, you have to do, um, uh, weapons, Carenza, you know, that's a form and, you know, Again, you you learn forms just like because it's it's tradition, right? But you know what is you got to also question what's the purpose of it too. So yeah, 
Well, well, yeah, I as well. Like you take a like a boxing combination, you're practicing the same combination, a one-two uppercut. That is a, it's a form. It's the same thing. It's a mini form. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Rob, Andrew, what do you think? Andrew, go ahead because I got a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! All right. All right. Um, well, I, I was just telling my students this the other day because I finally made the curriculum for my school because I felt like a lot of guys would come and go because they didn't know what the fuck was expected of them. I was like, all right. He was a suspected of you. And I just wrote it all down. And then when I got to, when I got to instructor, when I got to black belt, I wrote down that a black belt in my system should have an idea of the base of the acronym of what Kaju Kenbo is. Hmm. You should be able to walk into any place that does karate and not look like a white belt. Does that mean you look like a black belt? No, it just means you don't look like a white belt. People are going to come in and they're going to ask you. You're going to start doing your shit and people are going to ask you. Because I know, so I'm basing this off my own experience. You walk into a karate place, people are going to walk, hey, what, 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 do you, what have you done? They'll ask you that right away because they see it in you. If you start doing some, if you go into a jujitsu place, they're not just going to treat you like a jujitsu guy. You can come in and see, I've done this. I know, again, I've done this. I've gone to a jujitsu place, didn't say anything, you start doing it. Oh, I'm, I don't know, I'm just testing out your trial class or whatever. And they're like, wait, 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 wait. Well, what have you done? Immediately, I get pulled to the side. And that's because I have a little, I have a base. I know what the base of jujitsu is. I can go into a Kempo or a Kung Fu place and start training with those folks. And I've done that. And I'm not the best. I don't look like their, their instructor because Wushu is fucking hard. And, but again, they're going to look at me and be like, this isn't someone who doesn't know anything. They know something. I can go into a boxing or kickboxing place, same deal. I don't look like a beginner when I walk into a place. And that is, for me, what it should look like for my people. You shouldn't look like a beginner when you walk into a place. People will recognize that you're not a beginner. Are you the best? Are you a master? No, I never said that. But you definitely aren't a beginner. You can, you can start to master certain things, but that's, that's a different journey. My, my, my goal as an instructor is to get students to have a strong base in everything and perhaps master one thing and find that within themselves. And they choose that. Now in our branch, we got a kind of Bushido. Mickey might know what I'm talking about. We got the, Ron's got the, uh, the eight mental aims. Apparently it comes from Al de Cascos. Uh, my thing is not only the physical, you should be able to walk into every class, but basically when you become a Kaiju Kembo black belt, people should know you're kind of weird. You're, you're not normal. They shouldn't, they, they, they didn't even need to train in martial arts. They need to know something's up with this guy. He's not a normal guy. He's got something different about him. But Rob, what's your thought on that? Go ahead. Oh, wait, sorry. Sorry to interrupt. I totally forgot that the original question was about forms. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, not hey. enough, but Yeah. So. Hey, you know but that doesn't matter because forms, <laughs> it's based on what is Kaiju Hello, Kaiju. just for that, get another shot, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it is my answer is related to that, though. Because that means that you can walk into a karate place and do your form. You can do your form. And the karate guys, I've, I've, got, I've done this. I went to a Kempo place. I went to a Shaolin Kempo place in Japan. And they asked me to perform my form. And I did my form. They were just like, that's really good. That's great. That's not what we do. You're doing something different. But that's really good. Would you like to join us for our black belt class? And I got invited to train with the black belts. Nice. So, like, again, so kind of linking the answers together. All right, Rob. 
Which question am I answering? <laughs> 80s movie. Okay. So, Back to the Future, Robert Zemeckis. <laughs> hey, what is the question? <laughs> yeah, that's... Forms. Forms. Okay. Um, I know when I first appeared on Angelo's podcast, I was very anti-forms. And that's true. That's still true. However, that's only true... If your goal is to walk into a Kaju Kembo dojo to learn personal protection. Like I was saying, yes. Yes. If your goal is to learn whether I want to take a fight in a cage, ring, or an assault on the street, then no, you shouldn't do forms. However, if your goal is just my personal protection means I want to defend myself from the decaying of my body. Yes then yes, you should do some forms because you can always do some forms that way. You can always do kata, but you can't necessarily always hit pads. However, where I come from with that, it's on the instructor, as in it's on me, Angelo, John, and Mickey to know the bunkai of that form. Yeah. And that's why I hate forms so much. Because so many instructors will just teach you a form and say, this is the thing you're doing because it applies to fighting. How? And they'll say, it does. Again, oh. how does it? And they can't explain it to you. Well, yeah. if, you can't, if you can't explain a thing to me in a A, B, C, D, D1, D2, D3 format, then you don't actually know what you're talking about. You are trying to waste my time by making me do this thing that eats up two minutes of a one-hour class. Well, yeah. And this is the thing, like, Mickey will catch – my catch is on Sifu Ron as well. One of the things I love talking to Sifu Ron is, as a teacher, he told me, you know, this is Pinyon 1. All right. We can teach a six-hour workout all on Pinyon 1. Yep. And it's teaching you how to fight. It's teaching you how to improve yourself, get stronger. That was the thing for me that – and, again, when I tell my students as well – if you forget Pinyon 3, I don't fucking care. Yeah. I mean, I'm not giving you a belt because you remember the form. But just if we do it in class and you forgot it, that's fine. We'll remind you. And then we're going to work out with it for an hour. That's where the workout is. It has nothing to do with do you remember the form. It's can you punch this guy out when he's trying to kill you. That's all that matters. Mickey? Mickey, what do you think? Um, I'm sorry. Say again. <laughs> what do you think about forms? <laughs> about forms. You, you know what? <laughs> uh, again, I I went in. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> man. Rob's being a troll. I don't know, bro. Like, hi, John. You met me. <laughs> hi, Rob. Nice to meet you, my new friend. John Hoylo, Hojlo Janai, Hoylo. Oh man! All hey, right, forms forms are for everybody, because uh, again, everyone that comes into the gym probably wants to learn the art. If they want to learn the art, fantastic. But you know, they don't. When I was taught Kajukemba, we don't get to choose what we want to learn. We got to learn the whole art, and and I think that's where, you know. Yeah, I love the kicks in the groin and, you know, learning how to use the angles. But, you know, I the forms, I 
wasn't really feeling it. And I, and I've always told John, I wasn't really feeling the forms. Um, because again, it, t my muscle memory started, I started dropping my hands, you know, I got, I got too tense because everything has to go hard in Kaju, you know, instead of being relaxed, you can't be tense all the time because you're wasting more energy. So, I mean, again, do I practice forms? I shadow box. I, I look in the mirror and I work on my form. I, I do, you know, as my elbows tucked, am I squashing the bug, you know, whatever, you know. Well, that's so, important. And like as a, a person teaching English in Japan, there's an important difference when you say form or forms. That's a totally different word. Doing, doing pinion 13 and doing a reverse punch correctly. Oh, wait, is, I, I got to add this real quick. Um, what you just said right now about forms in Japan, because I don't think a lot of Americans know this. In Japan, there's two types of forms. And I forgot what the translations are, but I, I, I remember when I, when I, John, when I tried to say I wanted to get us into the Karate Association to, uh, to compete. Yeah, yeah. Forms, one of the things he asked me, he asked me a Japanese definition for forms, which were self-defense moves. Mm -hmm. done without an opponent mm -hmm. just in the air and actual forms kata kata and those were two different things and they called it two different things i didn't know that interesting and that's why we didn't then that's why they, that's why he said no unless and then i said okay what if i did that then i asked him right he said i i, I contacted the japanese karate association to see if we can have our kids compete in their tournaments and they said that well pretty much we have to grab our self-defense and have our students do the self-defense as a form as a quick form and they call that one yeah. thing a threatening and then they have the actual forms which are the forms that we would do like pinion and then we have to pay them a bunch of money and that's when i was like well fuck you but anyway hey, don't get me started on that shit all right mickey sorry hey, well real quick but i'll take that back so machida was the ufc champion for a long time now he still does hell of forms but he made those forms work for him. So again, it really depends on the person in the mirror. If you can, if that's the way you work, you got your blitzes and all that stuff, that karate point fighting style, and it works for you. Hey, man, you know I can't. You can't be mad at that. You know that's why these these point fighter uh, sport karate guys are coming in and spin kicking everyone, front kick everybody because the it's just stuff that to us looks so basic. But it's like, you know, it's it's in the form. It is. It's, well, it's there. spin kicks and all that stuff. I mean, I think when UFC first came out, it got fighting got stripped down. So like these fancy shit, this fancy shit doesn't work. But there's a reason that spin kicks and flying kicks were introduced. I mean, we're not gonna throw a flying sidekick in a fight because we're not fighting people on horseback anymore. Right. But the fact is that there's a reason it works. Now that everybody's kind of centralized to Muay Thai and, and Jiu-Jitsu, suddenly throwing a capoeira kick surprises people. And that's why they get knocked out. A lot of this stuff, uh, uh, we got a pinion 10, we have a technique called flaming sword, which is literally putting your hand up like this. And it's literally a distraction. Yep. I mean, literally that's all it is, despite the name. It's the whole idea is you're, whoa, and then you chop them in the ribs. These techniques, for, there was a point when people didn't know how to fight that they were shit. They were bullshit. Now that people are organized, the surprise techniques have a reason once every hundred kicks. 
but you throw them in there and it wins you the fight. Quick, side, you, you quick side note, when you mentioned Capoeira. Yeah. The reason Brazil's national martial art and sport is Capoeira and not Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, this is it's not addressed enough, okay? Why is the rest of the world like, oh, Brazil, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but you ask Brazilians and they're like, oh, Capoeira, that's our national martial art. And the reason is because they had a fight. They had a volley to fight between a Capoeira guy and a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu guy. And the Capoeira guy won. No oh, shit. He knocked I did not know that. He knocked I didn't know. Is there a video on that? Oh, I would love to see I, that. No, it's a long time ago. This is podcast shit. I was listening to a podcast and they asked a Brazilian guy, why isn't Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu the national art? And it's because Capoeira, a long time ago, not now. This is like the beginnings of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It was probably more looking like judo. The Capoeira guy got a lucky kick. He got a lucky fucking kick. And then and it was one of Stephen Kesting's podcasts. Like, I, don't, I forgot which one. If you listen okay. to Stephen Kesting, one of the podcasts. Number 551. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one, one of the guys he interviews says this. And then he even mentions like, oh my gosh. And then Stephen Kesting adds, shit. So what you're saying, like, if in UFC one, the Gracie would have lost, maybe we'd all be doing like obscure <laughs> yep. Kempo or some obscure other martial art. Eddie Gordo posters would be on everybody's wall. Who was the guy who did the crucifix? The guy who did the crucifix and started elbowing the guy in UFC oh, one. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I don't know who it was, though. And when they asked him where he learned it, he said he never learned it. He just did it right there, right then. And he supposedly did like a Tang Sudo type of martial art, but he said that it was pretty much his own thing. And he was like, this is my own thing, and that's what I did. Like, it was never taught in his art. And when they looked at his credentials, they were kind of iffy. But again, it worked. And then years later, suddenly now, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu guys are talking about the crucifix and whatnot. So like, again, history is a funny thing. History is a really funny thing. It is. Sorry, I threw you off from your question though. <laughs> I don't know. What was it? Well, we finished the question, I think. Where are you going next? Yeah, I think we, we got with the question a long time ago. I think, we, I think we slammed it. Good. Shot. Shit. <laughs> now, okay. All right. So, our final shot. Double fist. Double shotgun on that one. Our final question. Are we just LARPing? Like, when we go in and we're fucking wearing MMA shorts and whatever fucking t-shirt or gi that we're supposed to wear, are we, are we just playing cosplay? What, what the fuck's going no, on? No, hell no. Hell no. I mean, you mentioned MMA shorts. I like wearing shorts when I train because it's comfortable. Yep. The Mai Tai shorts are nice. You want to train with a gi? That's, you're training with a gi to learn gi techniques. No, we're not LARPing at all. Uh... I'm sure there are people who train in martial arts and wear the pajamas because they want to LARP in a good Kaiju Kembo class. And they'll be gone after a few weeks of putting up with our workouts. Well, no, I, I say, no, we're not LARPing at all. We train, we train in jeans. We train in shorts. We train in shoes. We train what you're going to wear. We train in t-shirts because you're more likely to wear a t-shirt than a guitar, but we switch off depending on what we're training on. I say, no. Mickey. Um, train with shorts. You know what? It depends what part of the world you're from. I mean, 
if you're out there and I was out there in Reno, I'm not going to be wearing shorts, right? So uh, whatever makes me feel comfortable, if I'm, you know, thank God, I mean, I get to wear shorts all day long. That's that's my job. But you know what? It Yeah, you know, whatever whatever I have on, that's what I'm fighting in. You know, so uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, just as long as I got clean underwear, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. Is Even then. The LARPing process? I'm not sure on that. Are, are, are skid marks part of the LARPing process? <laughs> but, uh, no, that, that right away talking about shorts, and that, that makes me think of Okinawan karate. They wore, you know, the floods because they were fishermen. And then when they were done working, they'd go to a place to train together. They just happened to be wearing their fisherman pants and they went up to their knees, you know? And then I hear that Kaiju Kembo got, they, they just liked the longer pants, maybe because it was colder in California that time of year. I don't know. But then Sigong uh, uh, Juarez talked about how we used to have gi tops because that was karate. You had to go to a tournament wearing a gi top. And then some guys would grab the sleeve to pull you in for a punch. So Kaiju guys started wearing short sleeve geese. You know, we changed because that's what was happening. We didn't want to lose the fight. Well, Rob, what do you think? I think it all boils down to why are you training? Which is a question that I asked earlier, but like, yes, you are LARPing if you train in a full gi all the time, every time. And only for the sake of training in a gi. But I've seen so many guys who train and spar specifically with the shin pads hugging their pants. And they're hiking their pants up to throw kicks because the shin pad is pulling them down. And I'm like, yeah, I, I live in Texas. So we're not wearing pants most of the year. But why don't you just train in shorts? <laughs> yeah, surprise. <laughs> We're wearing shorts, Mickey. <laughs> Hold on, you caught that. <laughs> we wear pants on. <laughs> there are still coverings of the nether regions, but they're not all the way down to the ankle. Okay, fair enough. Um, I think you're training, you are LARPing when you train, if you're only ever training in a gi top and a gi, and gi pants. But... If you're in a place where it gets cold and you need to wear a jacket and pants, then yeah, train in that. If it also in the summer becomes hot, train in shorts and a t-shirt. You don't necessarily have to LARP, but sometimes you are. That's where I come from with it. And sometimes I do like training in a gi. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes I like having the the leftover right patch on my heart, you know. I like the look of it. I also am aware that I'm LARPing. Fair enough. But if, if you feel good, you train good. I, I think that's, you know, that's cool. Like, you know, um, Michael Jordan used to change the socks every game. You know, like, there's all, we have our own little, um, rituals. you know, little rituals. You know what I mean? Like I said, I, you know, you freaking, you know, whatever, type your head, you know, you, you put your shoes on, you, you know, you, you click the door twice, or is that, is that OCD? I don't it's know. When it comes, when it comes to fighting though, that works. You need to stick to your, your ritual. You need to stick to your routine. But here's the question then. Here's the question then. Why are you training? Again, it always comes back to why are you training? Okay. Are you training I, to be good at fighting or are you training to be good at life? 
All right, jo Mickey, why are you training? Well, right now, this is my, my full-time job, and um, it keeps me in shape. It, it's, it's my life. You know, it's not like something I do when I want to do it. I got to do it every day. Um, and I'm not – and it's just – I get to inspire people. I get to move my body. You know, I'm not sore. I'm not like – I got to drop 10 pounds this – you know, I just <laughs> 185 guys, damn it. Anyways, but no, I mean, <laughs> on record, it's, it's, huh? It's on record. It's, hey, you know, it's all good. 10 pounds lighter. Now we know. I'm working on it, sir. I'm working on it, but no, I, I just, I love to train because it's just, I get to not hold anything in. I think that's the biggest thing right now. I'm, I'm pretty tight a lot. Just my mind is always thinking, but when I'm training, my mind is free. For that hour or so so it's there's so many benefits to it man i i think that's the secret to anything you know keeping your mind busy keeping it positive keeping it healthy it's better than being on the couch you know i trained i had what like four five wait i had four privates in one group class today dude on a saturday you know so i mean but then hey road talk I got, we got to learn how to recover. That should be another podcast. How do we recover from all this? You know, got that's a just a whole other kind of that. Sir? Besides <laughs> the alcohol. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. <laughs> yeah. Rob's got a video coming out about that. Not, not you know, bragging about myself, but I do have a video about recovery for the martial artists coming out. Oh, wow. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm going to wow. check out that video. Yeah, wait. You're a YouTuber? <laughs> I make videos for YouTube. No oh, shit. All right. What? I'm gonna like lose Who a bunch is, of subs. We're like, where, where are we right now? Holy <laughs> fuck! We're, are we on YouTube? <laughs> All right, John. Why do you train? I train because Kaiji Kembo saved my life. Uh, I was never attacked by someone with a knife or anything. Uh, I had my own mental issues. That's why I loved and I was. Loving to have that podcast we had on autism and people who think differently. Um, being able to train, being able to know that if somebody attacks my wife, I can defend her. If somebody breaks into my house, I have a chance of surviving and protecting my family. That makes me happy. Uh, doing a form, doing techniques, punching something, punching someone makes me feel good when I'm stressed out. Uh, knowing in Kaiju Kembo that I can incorporate yoga because my back is weird, it makes my life better. I train Kaiju Kembo because I feel it's something God put on earth to make our lives happier. I'm happier because I do it. Simple thing. All right, That's Rob, why do you train? I train because I don't believe any one range of combat is efficient for personal protection and fighting. I don't believe you can only strike or only grapple or only throw or only choke. I train because I believe anything can happen at any time. And if you can't come out victorious, you need to at least be prepared for it. I also train because I believe that if you don't train, you don't 
actually challenge yourself in any real kind of way. If you don't know how easy it is for someone else to just beat the fuck out of you, then you're just pretending you're tough. The tough guy to me is not the one who's won. And this is not a knock on like Mike Tyson by any means. This is not the guy who's won a heavyweight championship. The guy who's tough to me is the guy who can get hit a thousand times in sparring without any kind of record, but then keeps coming back and keeps improving every day so that day by day he gets his hits less. Or, although also, for me, I also appreciate the 69-year-old woman who has never done martial arts in her, in her entire life. And it's like, this is a thing that makes me sane and a better person. The, the fear of you, as in me, the instructor, punching me in the face, making me a better person because I have to learn to deflect and counter that thing. I train because I love seeing the people that have never had that like empowerment from martial arts. It, it empowers me seeing how it can change your life. Like, like John said, it can save, change, motivate, and, and drive your life. That feeling of, I am, I don't, I don't want to insult anybody, but I am better than a person who doesn't do this. That's why I train. You're better That's than why a I train on the couch eating potato chips all day. Exactly. Yeah, man, I, Everything. I, I, I gotta say, I agree with that. Like, I, I remember a student of mine who got to the fourth belt. I'm not gonna mention the color, because it doesn't matter. And, you know, she kind of stopped there, but getting her second belt, she broke a board and she cried because after having an abusive husband, that was a life-changing event for her. My See, first- It saves your life. My first private ever, I had a, a I think she was like 21-year-old girl who I didn't know had been in an abusive relationship. Like her, her boyfriend at the time was abusing the hell out of her. I let her just punch me in the chest because like, I want you to know what it feels like to hit flesh instead of a pad. She started crying because she was, she didn't recognize that like, this is what it feels. This is the power I can generate. I told her you have hurt me with how much you're hitting me right now. It hurts. And she didn't recognize her power from that. We only did two or three privates, but she called me a couple months later and she's like, I broke up with my boyfriend because I realized I can defend myself from him. Seeing that, that, that's what I trained for. That moment of like, we as human beings with a, a skeletal neuromuscular system are so much more powerful than we give ourselves credit for. That's why I walk into that dojo every single day and I'm proud to do what I do. That's it, man. I love to see. We're, yeah, we're, we're providing the service, guys. You know, I think, you know, we're essential. And I'll say it again. Um, we, we, all this mental health, a lot of people are committing suicide. You know, this one yeah. kid couldn't take virtual learning no more. He shot himself. He found his dad's gun. He shot himself the other day. I'm like, you know, we need an outlet. This is an outlet. This is what we're, this is why we're here. Well, Mickey, you, know? you shared that the article about uh, the suicides in Japan recently with me and, and uh, Angelo. I mean, yeah, you're right. We're all like, you know, just when you think you got it good and someone else has it worse, you know what I mean? And, you know, those are the kind of people that will walk through your doors. You don't know what's going through their head when they walk through those doors. You know, they don't, you don't know what kind of baggage they bring. But in that hour or half an hour, or you just – because we wear a lot of different hats. We're not just coaches and, 
instructors. We're psychologists. Yep. You know, a lot of my clients, you know, um, for example, I, I got this one client. They just She just broke up with her, her girlfriend, and she's losing her mind. She's, you know, and we're, instead of training, hitting mitts, she's talking to me for the whole half, and she that's it. But it just, it's her release. Hitting the bag, talking, verbal judo, it's all there. So fighting doesn't always mean punching and kicking. Yeah. Sometimes it means body, just talking. That's what, yep. to, kind of, to kind of quote uh shameless plug Terry Faircloth. If you haven't seen that podcast, the last one. Uh, there you go. He's always yeah. he's always screaming from the top of his lungs, it's not all about fighting. Yeah. <laughs> it's not all about fighting. It's not. it's not. I would argue it is always about fighting, but it's not necessarily always about fighting someone else. Yeah, physically. A lot of the times it's about fighting ourselves. Yeah. We're fighting the demons day, that in ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Every day. You know, I uh, got a battle on that to go back for that other piece of cheesecake in there, bro, but <laughs> I don't know. That's so, why you train. You train hard, yep. you keep hard so you can go eat the cheesecake. Yep. Answering my uh, Rob's question, uh, why do I train? That question keeps changing as I get older. Mm. Like that, that, that's like a, it's a several part question. And to try to answer it quickly, I first trained because I didn't want to be jumped by gang members in my neighborhood. And then I kept training because after I could defend myself, I found out that there's other people besides the gang members in my neighborhood that might be better than me that might try to beat me up. So then I trained some more and I realized that I really love the training for itself without trying to beat someone. And then I moved to Japan and no, now violence was no longer a problem. And I had to reevaluate why I'm doing everything. Cause if I'm doing all this to protect myself originally from gang members in my neighborhood, there's no more gang members. Then why am I training now? And I realized it's because it's something I do is who I am. And it makes me feel good. And then why do I keep upping my training? I started training to fight in the cage, started fighting in the cages to try to win fights. And then that became a thing of the past recently. So why do I keep training? I'm not going to have a fight coming up, but I keep escalating my training. Like you were saying, like, well, you're running every day. Why are you running every day? I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't yeah, know, man. Like, <laughs> why am I running every goes. day? because you're a Rocky fan. Because you, yeah. you have a Rocky fan. I'll start watching the fucking Rocky movies again. <laughs> I will say, I, I will Rocky say. One. I saw Rocky one the other day. I was like, fuck, I got to call run again to chase me. I, <laughs> Angela, I, I respect how much you're running because I know it's good for you. And I know it's not just good for your body. It's good for your mind. But please take care of your knees and hips. <laughs> please. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, that, 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 oh, you were off camera when that happened. That, that's why I keep it to 5K no more. Yeah, like but, please. Um, Ice aspirin your hips when no, you're no, done. No, not just ice aspirin. I go to the Onsen Man. They have this. Uh, they have this chiro, like almost like a cryogenic uh, dip you can go into. It's ice cold, so um, you go from heat to cold. It's this whole process. But I digress. The whole reason I keep training the way I do is because it balances me. It balances me. It balances everything else I do. When I don't train. Everything else I do, because training, like like uh, like Mickey was saying, we wear many hats. Not just does that doesn't just work as far as me as an instructor. That works with me in life, right? That the intro to this podcast. That's why I say that I'm a I'm a martial artist. 
I'm a surfer. I'm a, you know, I'm a father. I'm a lot of different hats. And the training helps me with all those other roles that I have to fill in my life. So with that, um, we're going to wrap things up. This is the Social Jello and with Angelo podcast. Follow me at Level Up Gym One if you want to see the martial arts stuff. Facebook at Social Jello. Rob, follow me at Combat Self Defense on YouTube or Rock Period N Period Roland on Instagram, where I plug Combat Self Defense. And John? Come to Okayama if you want to drink tequila with me. We'll drink tequila together. If you're interested in other stuff, uh, Kaiju Kembo Okayama is our unofficial club. Come to Japan, work out with me or Angelo. Uh, and if you like what we got, uh, also check out our KAA podcast uh, interviewing some history all based on history of one particular person, Grandmaster Gaylord. And I guess since we're passing the ball, Mickey, what podcast are you doing? I am not doing a podcast yet, but uh, if you guys want to follow me, uh, you guys can follow me on Facebook, dsalboxingacademy.com. Uh, I do a lot of live workouts, Facebook workouts, you know, Instagram. Um, I work for a nonprofit, so it's all for free. Again, you know, serving the community and just passing on you know, preserving our legacy, guys. That's what's really about. Honestly, think about it, right? You know, in about a hundred years, what's this going to matter, anyways, right? So pass it on as much as you can. You know, and uh, no matter what, I, I just focus on positive. That's it. Stone rolls on, brother. Yep. Every, right. every day, bro. Every day. Final shot for anyone who's been following along and drinking with us. We're doing our final shot right now, and then we're going to say goodbye to all of you. John just left. <laughs> all right, so thank you for listening. We're taking our last shot. Take our last shot with us right now. Boys, have a great night, great day, great week. Keep it positive. Train your mind, body, and spirit every day. This is Social Jello with Angelo. Conversation with the back fist. Should have said that first, but I'll say it last. Catch you all later. Is that what it's called?